So I'm we're we're gonna be sharing what I've learned because of um, my kid. And when you came early, I talked a little bit about that. So bottom line, uh, child's learning. What's going wrong? What can you do about that? If your kid's keeping up with peers, that's awesome. But if they're not, then what's going on? And how, how, is it, how are they supposed to be doing it? Okay, so here's a model that I made. It's kind of like the whole kid version here. So the purple box up at the top, uh, and the sensory integration, we talk, it, so I'm also gonna hit, so I do this at a little bit of, on all the sessions, this sensory integration, if you've been to mine and you've seen it already, I, I apologize. But the main sensory integration just means that the brain receives data from nine different pipes. And it's the only nine pipes, unless they discover some more. The last one they just uh, named was introception. But the first five you all have known about forever. You see it, you hear it, you touch it, you smell it, you taste it. Then we added, uh, someone added tactile, which means tags. Oh, I just don't like this, you know, my socks, my tags. Then body position, which is proprioceptive. If, if a kid doesn't have a well-integrated proprioceptive sense of uh, integration, they'll be dragging their, their hand along the wall when they're walking or they'll stomp really hard because they're trying to ground their body in three-dimensional space. They don't know where they are. The next one is vestibular, the, the balance. Um, so that's kind of tied to the ears, which is so close to the brain. Um, if a kid doesn't like to be on a changing table, if they uh, go up the stairs one at a time, like grandma, grandpa, you know, one step at a time, those are kind of evidence-based ways that your child, that child is not fully integrated to, to match the peer level. At um, for each of those areas, introception, the green one, they've uh, it's only been known about the last or named the last few years. Body awareness, um, it's kind of like a child mindfulness version that the 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 senses, the emotions, kind of understand what's going on with the body, and um, uh, the. Um, Okay, I'm muting a few of you guys just in case. I know you don't mean to. You just make little noises. Okay, so uh, anyway, introception, uh, the body, the child's awareness of oh, antecedent-like. I'm, I'm, I'm about to have a meltdown. I'm about to start feeling bad. So I need to think of some way for self-calming, self-regulation. Right? Kind of like metacognition in a way. Meta, me, cognition, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about my thinking. Um, I have uh, the little frog down here, right? So how can we help our kids be aware of what is going on in their body and how that portrays? What's the behavior in the classroom? We also talk about self-directed academic. So self-directed learning is huge, really important, at, even at elementary. Positive behavior redirect, self-regulation, self-control, motivation, uh, hopefully intrinsic, Extrinsic only lasts as long as the bribery or the threat, right? But intrinsic, oh, now we're getting into character development. What you are, what you do is what you do when no one's looking. That's called character, right? Um, it's the type of classroom management that uh, you get to go to the bathroom. So you leave your class. You say, you don't even tell them you're gone. You're up. You just leave, go out, come back. They're still doing what you wanted them to do. Awesome, right? Social emotional learning. Okay, so uh, next slide. Now let's talk a little tiny bit more about how the well, it's not tiny. There's a lot about how the brain works. So we have our central processing unit, your brain and your spinal column. And uh, as the child reaches your world, that data is going 250 miles an hour. And we hope it synchronizes. We hope it's getting to the right place at the right time to synchronize, to hear your question, auditory process what you're asking them to do, 
and then give you a nice expressive sentence back out to prove that they heard you did it and and that they learned some of our kids don't operate that way my kid is one of them so with his developmental delay I told his elementary school in the art process that let's see John's not going to be able to give you nice pretty written sentences dysgraphia um, he's not going to be able to uh, um, uh, be able to uh, read paragraphs and spit it all back we got dyslexia um, he's not going to be able to do the math worksheets the way you want we've got dyscalculia but look at his behavior look at him if you have to use uh, uh, a different way of communicating closed questions you don't say um, uh, John which shirt do you want to wear you would say green or blue and then as we develop more neural pathways as they prune and they become more predictable now at this stage in his life I can say John what color shirt are you gonna wear go get it and he's doing it great but back in the early days when we meet them where they are which is demoralizing sometimes right as a parent it was horrifying to have to, to realize that I have to go way so far backward with my kid to meet him where he is with his massive developmental delay um, so but we, we we work on the neural pathways and that's undergirding everything we're talking about here today plus the sensory integration so all right one other thing before we skip on so sensory seeking sensory averse um, if you have kids in your classroom, and maybe you're familiar with this lingo, so if they're sensory sinking, if they need more data, they're seeking, I need more data, feed me, see more, they need more information, they're going to be the kids that are going to be messing with everybody else, touching stuff, dragging their hands along the wall, banging their feet when they walk, you know, they're just trying to get enough data. In their minds in their bodies in their data tubes uh, sensory averse that'll be the kid that's sitting way in the back of the room scared to death won't go into the birthday parties won't go into the bathrooms won't let you cut their hair now sometimes they throw if it'll be the same kid they'll flip back and forth sensory seeking sensory averse all right my kid so there's John Galveston water, nasty old stuff, dark of night. He's in there. He thinks that's fun. That's sensory seeking in that water. And but there he is with the ice cream cone. And that ice cream cone is worse to him, is scarier to them to him. The only way I trained him to eat ice cream cones is I crammed it in his mouth and I made him take bites. It was just far too scary. Couldn't deal with it. So that kid, so if you have kids that can't make up their mind, it's, uh, it's some of both. So here's some homework for you, if you wish. Um, neural pathways, neural synapses, neuro, uh, neurotransmitters. Um, we're going we're gonna to kind of move on through this, but I do love to talk about glutathione. Glutathione is the number one neurotransmitter. And you can, um, there's lots of ways to try to get more in your kid uh, or the students. But you see, this may be out of the, ra the range of your control, right? Unless this is happening at your house. But um, in that case, we want to, there's a whole new world. We could talk for two hours about the immune system. And uh, myelination, remyelination. Okay. So... Is a short version. I drew this myself. I hope it kind of fits. So when we're talking about neural pathways, early childhood, neurotypical learner. So the, the piece on the bottom, right? You see all that experimentation. So here's a kid that's a baby that's trying to pull himself up and figure out how to walk or figure out any other general motor task. So there's going to be a lot of trial and error, variation. The brain's going to try this, then try that. And then as time goes by, they'll prune to that top picture there something more reliable, something not absolutely predictable, but a little bit more predictable, right? Like what you would consider neurotypical appropriate behavior in the classroom. A little bit of variance. But, but not like downstairs, right? 
But what if our kids do the downstairs piece and that's as far as they ever get for a variety of reasons, trauma included, right? And so for our kids of learning differences, then we have to intervene and purposefully help them prune Oh, do it again. So with my son, John, we are forever trying it again, starting over. He'll, my, all of the resources at the website share these funny stories. Uh, I wish I had time to do a lot of funny stories today with you. Um, as a quick example, let's say he's tromping down the hallway at church. Wrong time, wrong place. And but I know I have to just stand there. He's looking back at me. He's smirking. He's waiting to see if he's going to win this. So I'll just smile. And I'll look at all the other adults looking at me, wondering why I don't, you know, just beat my kid. And I'll just smile. And I'll say, well, we're working on our social skills. While he's down there. Well, we've trained so that he's a boomerang. Okay, he only wandered off and got lost once, but we really worked on backward chaining and becoming a boomerang. So he'll get out pretty far, smirking, looking back at me. I'm standing still. I know my boundary. I'm holding my ground. So he'll go, okay, fine. And he'll come trotting back, big old grin on his face. I try not to look like I'm part of the game. And he'll, and, I, and then, I'll say, okay, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it right this way every time. So we have to reinforce, and maybe I'll make him do it more than once. But the idea there is to take downstairs and make it like the upstairs, because that's what you want in your classroom. And I tell him if he wants to have a good adult life, he needs to have, he doesn't know what I'm talking about with neural pathways, but we need the good stuff upstairs. All right. So, and keep in mind these, uh, some of the kids that are going to walk into your world have had plenty of time. And especially here with this COVID, you guys are going to be receiving in quite a, and I'll call my kid a monkey guy. Okay. You're going to get these kids in your classroom whenever you finally convene, reconvene. And they've got some deep, they've got some really deep neural pathways from all their years and then they're gonna have some COVID-19 neural pathways to undo and redo and prune and get back to be appropriate. And they weren't made yesterday and they won't go away in one day either. It'll be a nice project. So what are our difficulties here? What are we up against? So there is developmental delay. There is learning differences. My picture there is to try to show holes in their learning. I'm not sure if it conveys, but so we all know about scaffolding, right? And so the rubber bands and the, the skills that are scaffolded, you start small, you scaffold, you scaffold, you add more, you add more. But sometimes there's just some big old holes through there. And the idea is how do we get uh, Swiss cheese to look like brick cheese? And are those neural pathways good enough? Okay. So as far as how the brain all fits together, these links would be more for your time, not our 45 minutes together, sadly. Um, the, vision, the sensory integration model is up there in the corner, the nine portals to the brain. The link to um, the one with the ear on it is a beautiful story in YouTube, an eight minute video that animates how the ears work, how it fits, how the, just the hearing, just the hearing, just how the miracle of the ear fits into childhood learning and, and, and proper development. Um, absolutely worth your time. There's some links to some Wikipedia information. The, the graphics on the left-hand side there, Wikipedia that talks about the trigeminal. So it's such a thing for oral motor, right? So we do, grow, we do the feeding system of the motor function continuum. We'll do gross motor to fine motor and then to oral motor. And they have to kind of run in that direction. You're not going to have oral motor if you can't do a two-footed jump. So back in the day, when working with my kid, he couldn't do that. So we had to work on that because he was stuck in his learning. We want our kids to keep moving. So as long as they're crossing midline, the three midlines, right? Waist, north and south, here, east and west, and front and back. So if our kids can keep moving in three-dimensional space, get out on the playground, right here doing this uh, canvas 
COVID stuff at home, when he needs to take a break, out to do. You go out and get on your bike, go do something, go swimming, I don't care, out. You're not sitting doing this. That's what they want because that doesn't take any energy. That is no cognitive load for them to sit here and do this, right? Now, they'll be happy with playing, right, on whatever they want to play with, but then we, we add the cognitive load of the schoolwork, then that's when you get the squawking. But, um, but that's, but they have to move. They just have to, or their, their learning will be inhibited. The good news is the flip side, which is that if we can keep our kids moving across the midline, then they are going to be moving forward. Maybe not at the pace that I wished, but at, but moving forward. I take all this information back to our ISD. I'm in Conroe for the ARD. And I show them that John is not stuck in his learning. And I take in all the, the analytics that go with all the extra outside interventions that we do. And we have a really great relationship there. Okay. So the tri geminal tri, one, two, three, Gemini, left and right. And that's where you have all this oral motor. Uh, I don't want my, don't touch my hair. Um, I can't speak well. Um, uh, just the things that go into uh, the sensitivity. You've got a tremendous number of dendrites that are in this from the neck up in the shoulder area. Okay. Alrighty. If we were in, if we were together, I uh, would have opened up your little baggie on your chair. All right. I'm about to mess with your sensory integration, so you guys are going to have to visualize. You're going to have to go with the virtual pretend here. So I would give you a glove, one. And you put your glove on like this, okay? Then I would give you one earplug. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm messing up with your nine pipes, all right? So this is touch, maybe tactile. Then I'll stick the toothpicks in your ear like that, so I mean in your mouth. Not your ear, huh? sorry, in your mouth. So that exhibits your, that, that messes with your speech, your expressive speech, right? And then I have a whole bag of all these glasses. If you are a glasses wearing person, I make you, make you take them off and give them to someone else. Um, so that, that's a twofer there. You get them back at the end. And if you go, ah, I don't want to wear somebody else's nasty old glasses. Well, you see, that's part of the problem with our kids, with the sensory integration, is that they have that nasty feeling of not being comfortable inside their own skin every waking moment and sometimes in every sleeping moment. So you can, you can take off all this stuff at the end of the, of the little play period here. Uh, you're lucky. All right, so I make you change your glasses and hand them to somebody else. I'm going to stick the poop picture in your mouth like that. Then I'm going to take your finger puzzle, and I'm going to say, okay, you have to mismatch your digits. So I'm hoping to mess up your midline crossover here, right? And then I'm going to turn on the lights, off, on, off, on, off, on, and I'm going to set up a stage, set, set up the situation where I say, all right, you're a returning student. You're first day back to school. You're feeling really bad about yourself, really sad. There was nobody there to make your breakfast. You're not wearing clean clothes. Um, you're, you were on the bus. Kids made fun of you because you didn't smell right. You come into the classroom. The, the teacher starts yelling, and I, I, I yell at you. And I turn the lights on and off, on and off. And I say, all right, everybody, sit down. Get out your backpacks. All those bad teacher stuff, right? Everything you would not ever do in your own realm. And I go on and on. And then I tell them to read together this. Now, I know you, you guys may be muted, but just read this out loud with me if you can. Together. Ready? Go. Four children in every classroom see print this way. They can't control their eye movements at close distances, making reading and attention almost impossible. As the print blurs and moves, they stumble over words, they lose their place, and then cannot comprehend. Out of desperation, they give up and they quit. Is there any reason that they struggle in school? And then I let you take off your stuff. And then you go, oh, man. And then everybody talks for about three minutes. And then I have to pull back the attention. And then we go on. Okay. So that was, 
That was your little virtual sensory integration disorder. Okay. So put my glasses back on. Um, so all of this fits together as a continuum. So we have the baby that's born, right? Major motor function there. We call that the fine motor, your legs. The kids in the cradle kind of figured out how to move around. Oh, they see the little thingies hanging there. They start, to, they start to play. So we now have a visual system as a minor, and the motor is the major. As time evolves, their system develops, and now they're strong enough and, and integrated enough that they can go out, oh, baseball, move toward it, catch it, got it. Okay, so that's a visual dominant motor Sub submissive, right? The, the eyes are in charge. And then eventually this is a well-integrated child that will be ready to sit down at joint attention in your classroom, ready for, joint, for, for learning. That's great, right? But what if it's not? And so here's, I have at the bottom three photographs of some interventions we've done. I've been told that if my kid wants to watch a screen, get him on a trampoline, make him jump on the trampoline while he's watching. That's going to help to try to fast track or just improve his visual integration of learning, his layers of learning in visual. If you have the right kind of person that's gone through the right kind of education, they can tell you where your child is as far as a visual age, right? And so if they come to you and there's the parts of their eyes that haven't developed yet, the center, which would focus on the reading. So the center, the, the exterior of the eye forms first, and that's the kid kind of, you know, looking around, the baby in the cradle, or baby in the uh, early stages. And then as the eye develops, then we have the center section, which then lets them focus on reading, right? Or whatever you want them to do. And they need to integrate so that they can be working, look up, peripheral, okay? Nothing, nothing to look at here. Go back down to focusing. That's a fully integrated visual system in a really short version of it. So that's one thing. That's one of many things you can do as far as vision therapy, trampoline while you're watching the screen. We did a lot of reading. Sorry, I'm not supposed to point. Um, we do so much with our writing. So we have dysgraphia dyscalculia, dyslexia, um, which you don't, the teacher, you don't really say those words until you get about second or third grade, but you guys know it. You just don't tell the parents. Um, we worked on um, phonetic awareness. That was the first two sessions today. And we have our own journey of phonetic uh, um, loss of word building. And uh, that's a two hour session right there. But that's what, that's what some of the home remedy looked like. Okay. So on this continuum of motor function, so we have motor function and motor control. Um, the motor control is, so a kid's got his backpack and the bag of, and, and the books under his arm and the pencil and whatever else they're trying to do. And, and it's almost like they need extra hands, right? If they haven't done enough motor function, motor control sophistication yet, then my kid can't carry more than two things. One hand, one thing, one thing, right? Two things is all he's got. But let's say he's got three things to manage. And so put something underneath his arm and then two or three things in one hand and then drop this off and put that there. All of this is motor planning. Most activities in life that involve your extremities are motor planning. And so if the kids are kind of inhibited and they can't figure it out yet, it's because they haven't figured it out yet. But we can help them, right? We just have to work on those neural pathways. So movement is gonna be your friend. Keep those kids moving, keep them with that bilateral, right? Um, pat your stomach, rub your head, or the other way around, right? bilateral, something different on each of the, the midline crossover sections. Gross motor is your legs, feeds to fine motor, so that's occupational therapy. Start with physical therapy on the gross motor, um, moving around, up and down steps, then you yeah. move the fine motor, which is anything that And um, then uh, eventually into oral motor. So here's John, my kid. That's the first time he'd ever put a sandwich in his mouth. 
And I'm not sure how old that was, but it was big enough of a deal that I took a picture of in the restaurant. Big deal there. Okay. So how we worked on the, the stalling out of the motor function and the, the, P, the physical therapy to, I mean, the physical movement, physical motor, fine motor, physical to fine motor. So he couldn't do this. He couldn't jump. Okay. And so how did we work on that? We had an occupational therapy uh, therapist help. So in the house is one of those exercise balls. You can see I got it rammed in the corner with my knee. He had to stand on top of it. So he likes to stem, right? Repetitive action over and over and over and over. His stem at the time was opening doors, open, shut, open, shut, open, shut. I never had to worry about where he was in the store. It was always going to be over that love-hate relationship with the blow dryers and the bathroom and the doors and the experiments and all that kind of stuff. Um, so to work on the, the, the two-footed launch, he would crawl up there. Well, actually, I would say, hey, John, you want to open up that cabinet door? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He wants to open up that cabinet door like crazy. It's a stem, right? It's a deep neural pathway. So I say, okay, hop up here. So he has to hop up on that ball. I'm going to barely balance him with my fingers. We're going to have him right at eye level with me. Back to 20 um, purposefully. And he's got to jump well and count. So we, he's got to coordinate that with motor planning. So if it's a bad jump, if it's a bad two-footed launch, we start over again. And so I'm also playing with him. I'm being silly. I have a chance to do some social emotional learning with him. And we're working on speech. We're working on the numbers. We're working on motor function. We're working on his balance, his core, his Pilates. And then reward. He gets to 20. I say, John, you can go open the door. So he's all excited, right? And then I say, hey, John, do you want to close that door? And, of course, he wants to close the door, right? That's the whole nature of the stem. It's an addictive thing. So we're back up and we keep another 20 and another 20 and another 20. Eventually, those neural pathways worked. He now can rollerblade. He can ride his bike. He can do all that kind of stuff. So families can do this at home. They don't necessarily have to have expensive equipment or expensive therapists. I do try to share a lot of these kinds of things with families so that they can understand what they're up against, and how they can solve it. Some of these things might generalize into your classrooms or perhaps at PE or perhaps um, in other places, um, field day maybe. Um, so these are all these are John, okay? So when he was working on his midline crossover for brushing his teeth and oral motor, trigeminal, all that stuff, he, it's, it's no big deal for a kid to brush their teeth, right? But here's John. He's actually got the toothbrush two-handed, right? It's not just enough to be got to like hold it down because he doesn't know where that thing's gonna fly off to. And then he moves his he, he moved his body up and down. Toothbrush stayed here, but he had to move his body up and down to get this thing going. He just couldn't manage that motor planning. So that's how he brushed his teeth for the longest time. And as time has evolved, he's now been able to, from a trigeminal standpoint, he, I actually, the day I saw him do this, get his toothbrush in there and do that with his cheek, that was like, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful because that shows so much more integration. I couldn't, could not get a crowbar in there for the longest time. But now he's relaxing toward that. So we always want to move our kids forward from uh, primitive reflexes into something more sophisticated. So the, if you're born with some basic motor functions and they automatically happen and then they can integrate into something bigger, then you are lucky. And that's how children are born, how, how children grow, right? So here's rolling downhill. That little girl up there at the top in the blue shirt, she rolled downhill line of, just the line of gravity, right? No big deal. John is trying to roll downhill, and he's going like off to the side and curving over here. There was no way that he could just roll straight down the hill. It's just, even now when he's doing martial arts, taekwondo, his jumping jacks, they're on my Facebook. You guys would laugh. 
it, it, he's not trying to be lazy. He just, we don't have all the dendrites yet to make the jumping jacks, to do the, to do all these regular kind of calisthenics, but we keep practicing. That's the key there is you got to keep at, you got to keep moving. There's no way to learn for a kid other than keep the moving going. Now, if they're lucky and all this works, great. Otherwise, they're called retained reflexes. Here's a little bit of information about um, some of the early reflexes. Uh, occupational therapists would know this stuff. Uh, you can understand it you're, you're also. We, um, uh, we have now enough sophistication to be able to, if the right person looks at a baby trying to stretch and reach and roll over, they can predict whether they're gonna have sensory integration issues or not. It's that good now these days, the awareness of it. So again, just to give you some vocabulary, we are born with primitive, which are automatic reflexes. And if the child is born C-section or prematurely, those bumfuddle that stuff, all right, and then which mature into higher level reflexes that are integrated into the central nervous system, that's the game plan. That's what we want. Some more references for you. Uh, these books are ones that I have. Brain Gym, I'm sure you've heard about that. Some of these are a little bit long and wordy, but uh, click away and further your education on, uh, or if you find some others, let me know too. I'm always trying to share and upgrade these slides on what is it families can do, what is it schools can do. And again, you only have so certain control, right? There's a lot about you have when the kids leave your classroom and they're off you have no control when they come back in boom you got them back what are you going to do with that limited time that you have with them but parent education is a really big thing and I would be glad to help you with that okay but if they don't integrate what kind of things can you do okay so here we go so neural pathways right we're back to the dendrites that little purple thing up in the corner, that blue purple thing, though, that's the gap. So in the dendrites, they're kind of like line segments with gaps in between the line segments. And they need the neurotransmitters, number one of which is glutathione. And my kid measured zero glutathione when we went in for, at age two. And the doctor was so excited, I remember. He's, oh, man, I know why your kid's in the spectrum. He doesn't have any glutathione. Please pay me $700 and be on your way. It's like, yeah, but uh, uh, what am I going to do about it, okay? So that's kind of where all this stuff came from. So that's just a funny slide. I hope in your own little heart of hearts you laughed. Um, that's what sensory integration disintegration looks like. That's the challenge for some of our kids, okay? Not that they're lazy, not that they're stupid, not that they're not trying. They're just completely overwhelmed. It is, the data is coming in too fast, too slow, out of whack, out of sync. They can't keep up with their peers. So behaviors, right? Anything to escape, anything to not feel so bad about themselves. Here's some interventions we have done. Add an, a non-clinical OT. Um, some of the parents may be able to uh, afford this. Um, some may not. Uh, insurance helps, right? Medicaid can, maybe, depends. Um, but for sure, in the classroom, you can do that ball thing, about astronaut training stuff. That's all spinning and, and balls under and over. And so the kids would would go back and then the next one goes under and back and then they front and, and they, they move it forward and, and back. So you can have a multi-kid exercise there. The idea is bilateral, you're getting the kid moving, they're crossing their midlines, they're moving in three-dimensional space and, and moving, keyword there, moving. We also do a lot of other types of moving. So we see in the bottom right-hand corner when we were doing uh, some of the early stages of Taekwondo, um, he could not cross over midline, so I had to grab his little hands and force him to. So we were just wailing away on, with, on that chair with that styrofoam sword. But it was toward learning, ironically. 
Um, we keep a lot of those kinds of toys in the cars. In the early days, we'd have peers, neurotypical peers, ride in the car with us. And I've had all kinds of things happen in the back seat, but it's toward learning. I never got mad. Some parents would just say, hey, kids, you got to sit down and be quiet and don't move. And it's like, no, if you get a, a neurotypical peer back there in the back seat, you guys want to shoot those little foam bullets all over the place, just don't hit me in the eyeballs, okay? We'll be fine. Uh, Taekwondo was uh, martial arts. Um, we're doing karate now. We did some Brazilian jitsu. Fabulous stuff to get that kid moving, to use up that extra energy. Um, body awareness, being at peace in, in their own skin. And maybe it'll help him not get beat up so much, right, in his older years. S be able to defend himself, not to be everything startled, affected, and scared, and then uh, and when life preys upon you. So, um, and great teamwork, uh, peers, joy from the kids working together. Love martial arts. We did piano for a while <laughs> until they fired us. We went to piano lessons and they didn't like uh, John's progress. He rather would do drums than piano and they fired us. So, sore point there. But anyway, um, any kind of household chores. We have a list. On Sunday, we now, with this cold COVID thing, we're doing chores, vacuuming. He has come so far from uh, where we started with uh, vacuuming, the cord winding, unwinding, cord navigation, motor planning of where the cord's going to go. First one carpet, then I added another, then I added a third, and then I've added a fourth carpet. Um, all different. Some have patterns, some don't. And it was murder the first day of trying to do. I was literally holding it with him. And now he will, with just four weeks, five weeks of practice, he's actually shown off for peers that come into the house. We have a small village that we accept the risks on. And he has gone out of his way to plug that sucker in to the wall in front of the kids of his class and vacuum and then wind it back up again just to show them. I'm pretty cool. I know how to do cords. He was took a great deal of pride in that. Okay, dentist, right? We're about to get braces. Woohoo. That's a whole new trigeminal challenge there. Um, he's with brother and understanding the blog post I wrote about that said it closer to the flame. So all that screeching and loudness and everything else is there's also the draw of curiosity. How does that work? I, could, I, could that be me? And so now the, he can, they can actually get in there and floss, right? And we're working on our flossing ourselves. And I make it back to intrinsic motivation. He wants the braces. So if I'm ever getting any kind of blow-off mom behavior stuff, I go, oh. I'm always trying to use humor on redirects. I go, oh, I thought you wanted braces. He goes, oh, oh, yeah, I want braces. I go, oh, okay. And then he jumps right into it, right? So our kids are smarter than we think. They are smarter than we think. And if we can just give them enough opportunity to, we have to fade our props, right? And that's hard. In these, it's hard in these days where everything is so cloistered with, uh, with the canvas and they're trying to get through the learning. Okay, we got a little, little bit of a break here with the summer. But um, our academics will continue on into the summer. So um, I have to fade my prompt as much as possible. How much of his own uh, neural pruning will he do because he wants to and he wants to feel good about himself and grow up and move into the person that he wants to be? And we know it's in there. I don't care how deeply a child is in the spectrum. I don't care how deeply their, their challenges fall on them. They're not a mistake. They're, there's a reason for them. And if nothing else, just to teach perseverance. So, you know, I'm a major cheerleader for that kind of stuff. All right, so for midline crossover, motor planning, executive functioning, core strength, muscle memory, all of these activities. So even on the sports we, he has to get on the um, uh, balance board, 
you know, you can make one, but it's just a, I bought mine at Amazon, 40 bucks, I think, 30 bucks, where it's just a little, little thing on the bottom and then the board's on top. So it's always about this balance, right? And we don't, you'll see some pictures of my house here soon. We don't have very many chairs. We did not in the early days. Everything was rolling or balls or balance that he had to work on his Pilates, his core muscle. I would move everything. So he's left-handed and I would move everything that it has to be over here. He has to reach across midline, the computer mouse, the, the anything. Um, he has to cross midline to get at stuff. He doesn't know it's therapy. And it's just part of the day. So we don't tell him. Okay. So, um, and, and then we have the, when I say ballast to movement, it's like there's the self-control. You move and then you have to be able to not move. You have to sit still in your class. Sit still in your chair. As an adult, you need to be able to sit still and attend, be quiet, doctor's office, haircuts, right? And so I can tell right now when he gets dysregulated because he's just on the go and he walks away from people and I make him come back and we have to prune that wrong neural pathway. I say, John, you cannot run away from people. You cannot just walk away from people. I don't care how much your heebie-jeebies is in your body, you have to wait here. So I'll just make him stand and wait. I've written a lot of blogs on blog posts on self-deprecating humor. So if you ever want to, if you ever want to feel better about yourself, go read my stuff because you'll feel great <laughs> about your life. Um, I'm happy to, I'm happy to make people laugh, but with a humorous redirect, with the idea that this worked, this didn't, and this is why, and this may be why, so maybe these things might help you in your world. So we have there the clippers, big old story about loudness, right? The, the blow dryers, the blenders, the bathroom things, the hair clippers. Um, but uh, what's funny about that is that I used to use that just in a, um, in a kind of a bad, threatening way. He wasn't doing what I wanted him to do one night for bedtime. So I thought, all right, buddy, I'm going to get you. I got the blow dry out of the shelf. I laid it on the floor. I put it on the floor right there by him. He goes, yes, mom, what do you want me to do? As time went by, he grew into that. And so he would like pick up the blow dryer, plug it in. This is fine, mom. And I go, oh, man, I just lost an intervention. And then I thought, wait, wait, wait. Hey, John, do you want to earn the blow dryer? Let's get our work done first. Get this done, then that. So even though we grew up with ABA, well, we had several years of ABA. I am a, I, I love to fade the ABA as soon as possible. Applied behavioral analysis for any of you guys that aren't in special ed, it's when you make somebody do something like a robot. I'm all for fading the robot as soon as possible so that the kids can, can start to deal with the chaos of life, the chaos of the classroom, the chaos of dismissal time, of coming to school time. So I am always stepping away from those extra assistances as much as possible. I never try to negotiate that my kid has a pair to follow him around. I want him to, I say, hey, you know what my kid needs is what you guys got for free. You've got neurotypical peer modeling everywhere for free. Get them in there. So for us, we're so far in that hole of self-contained that our plight is to get out of that and get out into resource, to get out into as much, I mean, the, the electives, as much gen ed as we could. The older he gets, it's a little harder. The academics bifurcate, right? And so it's hard to keep up with math when you got dysgraphia, dyscalculia. It's hard to keep up with language arts when you got dyslexia. Um, but uh, we were happy with our school. We work with them. Um, it's hard to, I, I'm sure you can't believe this, but uh, I, if I have to have 10 in the room against me, you have to stick a cork in me. But it's always with mutual respect and courtesy. 
Although I can talk theory with them and I try to encourage our parents to do that too. They're so filled with shame and sadness about their kid that they don't quite know how to cope. Um, are we down to less than 10 minutes? I am so sorry. I am too often the two least here. Let's go to some theory. These are examples. Forgive me for that, guys. Okay, so you can see this. It's in the, it's in the, these are just stories. You don't need stories. Let's go to whatever kind of theory is left. So purposeful, purposeful movement. This kid in that red shirt over, oops, sorry, don't pull. That kid in that red shirt's on the other side of the glass, on the car side of the glass. But we backward chain for that kind of independence. We have backward chain toward the type of neurotypical kid things. What does everybody do? They ride a bus. We, we, we negotiated that in the fifth grade ARD, and they didn't want the big bus. They wanted the little bus. And I said, no, we've been backward chaining for the chaos of dismissal and, and, and school arrival time for all these years. Any kind of fine motor um, working on anything, I don't rescue. He has to make his own peanut butter sandwich. He has to do all of his own everything. Okay, let's talk really a moment here about how the ears fit in and auditory transduction. So there's links for more information. Um, uh, and you, you've already seen that. Lots of extra homework for you here. The intent to communicate. Y'all have seen Mr. Bean, right? You've never heard him talk. But his intention of in communication is what is it's important for our kids. So a child will have, uh, a normally developing child will have the language, right? The expressive language, awesome. But if they don't, if they're delayed for some reason, if they're working on it and they're still pre-verbal, um, then use body language, use the onomatopoeia, use the facial expressions, laughter, redirect, come on, you know, these kind of faces like that. The cliches, the slang kind of body language. That's 80% of communication anyway, right? We did picture exchange. We've done signing. Um, just take joy and hope in this. Teach, tell your families that uh, the expressive words aren't everything. It's the intention to communicate. So here's a bit more about the language. We have the receptive language. I got your words in my bucket. Okay, awesome. Now I got to do something with them. I need to auditory process them. You're asking me to do something, right, teacher? And then you want me to spit out this beautiful expressive sentence for you that answers the question that you asked me. Well, boy, but what if I can't, right? And then we have the continuum down there in the bottom of where, so gross motor, the big muscles drive the, so the, the balance of the core drives the fine motor, the ability to do things with the fingers. And then that's the whole jumping on the ball thing. That's the whole crossing midline. That's the whole keeping the kid moving thing. The motor function flow, that continuum. Signing times, we did all of these. I'll skip the stories. Brain, the music and the, uh, the power of the brain. So if nothing else will work on my kid, I will start to sing and it won't matter whatever the melody is. And the little, a little wandering mind goes bloop right back because, oh yeah, music opens up more of the brain than basically anything else. So there's research for you. And um, here's some examples too. So in our academics, in the turmoil of public performance, either in the band room or out in public at some games. They get out and they drum. We do performances with a local nonprofit. We participate in the, yeah, we have some modifications with the band, but we show up for every single thing that we can. And even at elementary and middle school, um, intermediate, we call it. And they, he had to earn it. And he had to earn his place on the bleachers in seventh grade because they just didn't think any kid that was in uh, specialized instruction could cut it because nobody ever ever had before. But we don't want to limit our kids' expectations. We don't want to limit what skills they have because we've already said that kids aren't a mistake. There's a reason for them. And uh, the, the neurally diverse mind is going to be setting the world on fire. We just have to get them to the right place where they can get away from the grist mill of trying to 
get through the educational system. I mean, in your heart of hearts, you know that it, it doesn't always serve the child. We've got to really work together to, to serve the intrinsic motivation of each individual kid for them to find their learning strengths and use their multiple intelligences for them to move the world in the way that we need them to. All right. And it doesn't always come from friggin' worksheets. Sorry. Sorry. Forgive me. Okay. Um, so here's some social skills. Here's some um, drumming and showing up and bragging for his peers and wanting to be and this want. We want our kids to want. Okay. And if there's gaps in their learning, if there's gaps in their childhood development, their intrinsic motivation will be that bridge, will be like that neurotransmitter that has to jump the gap from one piece of their learning life to the next, to the next line segment. So here's some uh, music uh, references, um, uh, all research-based. You can use them as you wish for the power of music, education, research, and the brain. I put this in my ARD. <laughs> okay, so the eyes fit in, right? If the eyes are there, great. Such a powerful piece of learning. If the eyes are not, you can get some therapy. You can find out what the age of the eyes are, and the other senses will compensate. So if a child doesn't have sight, it's not the end of the world. It just makes it different. Um, the right kind of vision therapist will know the age of the eyes and how the eyes team, jump, refocus um, together. So here's John's, six, uh, this is his dysgraphia, you know, and here's a few attempts at cursive. We're still trying to get the printing. We're still trying to get the spatial understanding. Huh. So if depending on how long his list is, Right? If he gets to the end of the paper, you know what he's going to do? He's, either, he's not going to stop and go back and do the next line like you'd like, like you'd think. He's going to like turn a corner and go down the other edge of the paper, or he's going to stack them on top of each other. And we're going to have, here's a word, and all of a sudden, nothing but ink. <laughs> and so we have to work on that. That's a, uh, sometimes they have a skewed understanding. If they got dyscalculia, their brain is wired to have a different kind of understanding of numbers. Time awareness, uh, money awareness, stick into a schedule, challenges, writing challenges. Now, we can compensate, overcome. There's keyboards, but they still have to learn how to survive checkbook math, right? Okay. So again, some more pictures and some links for that's free information there for the families. Uh, some of the other sessions we hit more on executive functioning, phonemes, graphemes, understanding words, retelling the story, working memory. Here's some examples of how we do this out in public, public speaking, attending, um, taking the childhood learning, working through the gaps, Low, he's on the low end of the totem pole. He knows that. He's very self-aware, but he takes such joy in the achieving uh, of the opportunity and risk-taking. I could not say risk-taking more, all right? So encourage the, your classroom for the kids to take risks safely. Let their vagus nervous system be at peace that if they, if they oops, no big deal. We're just going to start over and try again. We all oops all the time. So the stretching them into opportunities is the only way they're going to learn, right? So when we have learning, then we have, how do we get to mastery? We practice and we have to stretch. We also have to help them with the motivation. So slippery slope, intrinsic compared to extrinsic, right? You can be best of intentions as the guider and you think it's all intrinsic. And the next thing you know, whoops, slippery slope, I've, I'm back to threats. And um, we want them to, to learn and stretch and do move because they want it. Now, um, I'm watching my clock over here. I got two minutes. Uh, intrinsic motivation. Here is how it is shown and how we've used it. The blogs are there. The podcasts are there. All these tools. My hair is on fire to share information with you, but I have to remember that I've, I've got a lot of other documentation already for you. So I'm going to 
I may do this one and then we'll go to consequences and then we'll just call it quits. Um, I let it go for two or three hours. I've actually gone for three something hours before, so she'd be glad that you're not <laughs> subject to that type of thing today. All right, so wouldn't we all and wouldn't our kids love to get wherever we want to go, get in the elevator, press the button, boom, we're there. No problem, no pain. But that's not life, is it? That's not learning. So we have to learn. And then we have to master. And then we learn something new. And we have to implement and practice. And then we have to learn something new. And we have to practice. And it's the arduous going up there. It's the neural pathways that we build. It's the consistency of our habits that will serve the kid when they get to be older. So all of our kids that have the ADHD kind of woo -woo 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 going on, we worry about what's going to happen to them as adults when I'm gone. And so we're working on habits right now. And why are you doing habits? And can you stick to your own list? And are you aware of time? So we're doing all kinds of things this summer to try to work on his awareness of that. And I, that's all in my Facebook and posts and everywhere else. Just some more ideas. What? Okay, so I, I know we're out of time. There's always never enough, but remember to water the flowers, not water the weeds. And then I'm going to close with, I think I did it here. <laughs> For, oh, this is what I want to finish. Okay, um, so if we do our jobs right, all right, and you're, you're in a very glamorous profession, high pay, glamorous profession, congratulations. You know what I'm being. You know, the only good thing about this thing and this, this COVID is that people are starting to appreciate how much you guys do, you guys, you guys, ladies. I'm from Illinois. So how much you all do. So we hope there's a big hefty pay increase in this thing for everybody, for you guys. Um, but if we do our jobs right, positive consequences for the kids, positive consequences, right? We always get lost in negative, but positive confidence, pride, self-pride, self-esteem. They can take the initiative, right? Oh my goodness, executive functioning, taking the initiative. They can take joy in their learning, um, risk-taking, right? A sense of belonging, no matter who they're with, no matter what their little posse is. Or if they're by themselves, they can still have a sense of belonging. Self-respect, respect of other people, peers, uh, self-control, self-regulation, resilience, right? That beautiful, wonderful muscle that you grow because of how you interact with a kid. They don't innately have resilience. They grow it because they interact with you. Poise. I do with John. Hey, dude, hard way, easy way, please. Pick easy way. Mom hates hard way. Hard way always hurts. Easy way. Um, and then building self-esteem and the natural and unintended consequences. Life is filled with natural and unintended consequences for our kids. All right, I'm going to move. So here's, these are the places I've taught. I love doing this. Um, I wish we had more time. There's the podcast at the website. There's the website. I would serve you and your families any way I could. Um, this is my skin in the game. There's no escape for me. Um, thank you for your service. Thank you for your time. Thank you for picking this session. I'd be glad to, um, in a moment, I can, uh, I can still hear you if you guys want to ask. Um, the next session is on behavior, but I know it's a, you probably have a nice palette from which to choose. I'm just going to stop sharing the screen, which means I can see you all again. Oh, my gosh, this is great. So uh, forgive me. I'm just going to do some screen prints. I'm going to put them in Dropbox. You'll have them there if you want. Put them in your resume. <laughs> um, any of you guys got questions? You can... You can reach me any way you want. I should look at chat, Gail. Duh. There's 19 there. Forgive me. What's, what am I doing? Oh, there we go. Awesome. So I'm going to save the chat. I know you have freedom to run on, and you've only got 12 minutes to the next.
um, I will, uh, um, so you can follow me or, I mean, I, we do newsletters. We do first responder projects. We've got something for siblings. Um, just, uh, we've got a project in Spanish, Aprendemos Diferente, and we've got a lovely team on that. So thank you. Uh, keep in touch. What you do is really important. Sorry, I have to press end. But then I press the next session for time slot five. Peace be with you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>